Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen, and I am your host. Before we get started, if you've enjoyed listening to Beyond the Wrench, be sure to rate and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We want to thank all of you for listening. We truly appreciate your support and and all of the feedback that we get from the podcast, and and the growth is not not possible without all of you, so we, we greatly appreciate that. Today, I am ecstatic. I, uh, that's a big word, wow. David. That's an ecsta- I'm ecstatic <laughs> to He's introduce David Keene, <laughs> who is the managing partner of Broadway Automotive. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing awesome. Thanks. That's good. good. Yeah, I'm good. And I, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. When we did our intro call, I am not exaggerating when I say I was fired up when I got off of that intro call, which doesn't happen all the time when we kind of do that get to know you type of intro call. But leaving that call, I, I was genuinely leaving in a better place than when I started. And I think you have that effect on a lot of people. So I think as we dive into this today, I think a lot of people will start to understand why. And and so I want to start off with asking about your background. I think you were born into this business, but walk me through kind of how that happened. Maybe what what took place for you to end up in the position that you are today? Do you know, that's interesting. So my my family's just got a heavy automotive background. My my grandfather was an auto dealer. My father and my uncle were as well. And it was it was kind of funny. My dad, I remember him coming to me and saying, "So, what do you want to do?" And I'm like, "You know, what do you you can't I can't come and work with you?" And he was like, "Well, yeah, you can, but you don't have to." And I was like, well, "I kind of always thought I would, but." He's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'd love to have you. But, you know, it was like one of those kind of conversations. Where, and, and, you know, 40 years, 50 years later, I had the same kind of conversation with my two sons. And they're 17. And, I'm, you know, it's, it's the time where they're like juniors in high school. And I was like, so, guys, what do you want to do? And they're, they, they looked like panicked. And they were like, I can't work with you? And I'm like, no, you can. I just <laughs> I don't know if you want to or what do you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want to do is going to be awesome, but you know, if you want to come with me, that that'd be cool too, right? Isn't it? Isn't uh, it the parents' responsibility to make that discussion as awkward as humanly possible? I nailed it. Totally nailed it. So, at any rate, so my my father and my uncle were were both car dealers. I, I came from a big family. Between my uncle and my my brothers and sisters, we had eleven. There were eleven of us, right? And, and as it shook out, uh, four of us went into the car business. And over time, there's there's two left: my brother Michael and I. And together we run Broadway Automotive, I suppose. And we work predominantly with just the general managers that run the business. Sure. And then we've got a fixed operations director, an HR director. I think you've met Paula before. Paula, is, yeah. shout out to Paula. She's an absolute rock star. We we yeah. love Paula so much. Super lucky having her. And, and you know, it's a shout out to the Dahl family. I was I was out at, in Dallas for the Time Magazine Award, and I bumped into the Dahl HR director. And I was like, you should meet our HR director, Paula. And she's like, I talk to her all the time. And I'm like, okay, cool. Because they were like cut from the you know same same bolt of cloth, I think. But uh, we've got a great team. Uh, and, and it's just a fun, dynamic place to come and work every day, right? Yeah. And I, I can't wait to dive into that more. I want to ask, what was your first job in the dealership? You know, the first job I got – was a terrible job because it was a job that didn't, I think it was created for me. I came to work. I didn't have my driver's license yet. I went to my dad's office and he was on the phone, you know, car dealer, rah, 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 talking on the phone, right? I walk in and it's eight o'clock and it was eight. And he gives me one of these, right? So I wait for his phone call in. It ends. He pops up. Come on, follow me. We walk through the showroom. He's saying hi to all the guys at work and Goes into the shop, saying hi to the techs. I'm just following him like a dumb kid, right? We get to the back of the building. He opens the door up. Now, at that point in time, when you open the back door up, it was just a, a mud lot, right? There was yeah. nothing there. Tall grass. And I'm like, what are we doing back here? And he says, hold on a second. And I said, okay. And I'm like, wait around. He's not talking. I'm not talking. And all of a sudden, this gigantic dump truck shows up, right? 
one of the really big ones built on a semi. And my dad does like one of these and the, the, the truck comes over and it dumps a gigantic pile of gravel. And I don't know where he got it, but all of a sudden, boop, he had a shovel in his hand. He threw the shovel at me and he said, here, spread that around. Come and get me when you're done. And I was like, are you, are you freaking kidding me? I, I know those trucks, they can kind of, you know, gradually dump that load as they drive. And he's just, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me when you're done, right? So I go in and I told him when I was done. And the next day or the, you know, whatever, right? Anytime I said I was done, another truck showed up. And that's what I did all summer long. And and that was a test for, for him, for sure, right? But that's what I did the whole summer. <laughs> it was spread gravel. The Heck of a tan, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, I did have a good tan, like yeah. farmer tan, but yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, I think, as we've done the podcast and, and throughout my journey in the industry, like hearing that first story from everybody, because I do think it's common to see where you're at now and say, okay, like that, that person didn't earn their stripes or whatever. And so often hearing people's upbringings and the way they were raised and how they were raised the right way and, and really, you know, working your way through a dealership. And honestly, I grew up in a family business. I don't, I, I, I don't think people appreciate how much pressure is on a, a family member coming up in a business and, and how yeah. much additional pressure there is. Because that wasn't my first real job, right? Because that was, I don't know what that was. But my first real job was I got out of school and I went to, at the time it was Pat Ryan, I went through F&I training and I jumped into an F&I chair, right? And you're spot on. I quickly figured out that I was a dealer kid and it wasn't a good thing, right? And I looked at my dad after about like nine months and I said, you know, I think I need to go work for somebody else. And I got my car, drove down to Florida, and I worked for the Jamarian family selling cars. They had no idea who I was. It was before the internet. They couldn't have looked up online who I was or anything. It was straightforward. And I worked for a couple of years and with them not knowing my background or anything. That's where I learned the car business. That's that's when you learn the impact you have on people because everyone's got their guard down and and no one's treating you any differently. And and that was a really I, I learned a lot about what not to do. Um, I learned a little bit about what to do, but more what not to do, right? Sure. And it, and it was all on how you treat people. And it, it, 100% of, of, of where I picked up how important it is to take care of your team, right? And that's a, I mean, that's a, a great segue into what we're going to talk about today because that was one of the things that blew me away ever since we started working with Broadway in general. But when I was able to meet you and we've gotten to know Paula really well and you tell the, the pride just swells out of you guys in terms of being able to have a great place to work. And I, it was such a, such a refreshing conversation because I thought you looked at it through a unique lens that not everybody does. And I, I want I, – it has to kind of go back to your experience going away from the business for a little bit, right? Because I think it could be really easy if you grow up in a business just to continue to do things the way they've always been done. But maybe bringing a different perspective or a unique look at something helps you kind of adjust or refine what you're doing, no? Do you know that really helped? Do you know like – do you know in, in life you have these like little pivot moments? There's not that many of them, but you have like – two or three or four times, maybe more. I don't know. I don't have that many of them. But where I, where something happened and you could have done something or not done something, but it was a huge pivot point. And oddly enough, I, a pivot point for me and for, I think, for our organization was a visit to the local high school. They were they were talking about getting rid of their shop program, and they were the last shop program in the, in the city of Green Bay. Everybody had gone, there were four or five high schools, they all got rid of their shops, right? All the all the high schools, the guidance counselors were trying to push people into four-year college degrees and you don't want to go in the trades, the trades are bad, you want to get a college education, you need to do this and this and this, right? So I had a friend of mine call me and his wife said, hey, we're, we're looking at our shop and we either need to, to invest in it or we need to shut it down and we really want to keep it going. And we have some thoughts. And I, 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 I was 
having some internal conversations with myself about something very similar, but maybe trying to do it ourselves because I, I saw the problem that was happening. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. So I went down and met him. And in the end, we walked away with like a good plan, but, but I learned something. And I learned, I learned that we were probably a terrible place to work for millennial. That's what I learned. Wow. And, and I didn't even know it. And if you, if you didn't look close, you probably wouldn't know you were a terrible place either. Cause I, I hear people all the time that they talk about oh, millennials. I hate millennials. The millennial, right. And I'm like, now I laugh cause I'm like, you just don't get it. But at the time, I, I sat down and I was talking to like they had guidance counselors there and they were talking about how they bring students in and what they do every year with the kids. And, and like every year, like a kid comes out of eighth grade, right? They sit down with a guidance counselor. They sit down with their parent. They sit down with, with the kid and they're like, okay, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it is an eighth grader, right? He doesn't freaking know what he wants to do or she doesn't want to know the eighth grade, right? So the little kid's like, hey, I want to work for Lego, right? They, they don't know what they want. So they would, something comes out. Maybe it's Lego, something like that. And the guidance counselor is like, okay, well, here you're going to need to, you need to go math because you need to know math because a lot of those guys are engineers. So we'll set you up with these math courses and, and we'll set you up with this too and whatever else they, they pile on for classes and they look at the parents and they look at the kid and they're like, how's that sound? And they're all like, sure, that sounds great. Right. And off they go. Kid starts, starts freshman year in high school, goes through all the classes. Right. Well, now sophomore year rolls around and the same thing happens. They pull the kid in, they pull the mom and dad, they pull the guidance counselor and they have the same conversation. Well, Johnny last week, last year said you wanted to be a, you want to work for Lego. Kid goes beat red, right? Like Lego. Did I say that? And like the kid's like, I, I don't want to work for Lego. And I don't know what I was thinking. Right. I, you know, he's a high schooler, right? He knows better. I don't want to work for Lego. And they're like, okay, well, what would you like to do? And now the kid's like, you know, I'll tilt it in our direction. Um, I, I think I'd like to, to, to work on cars. I like cars and I think I want to work on cars. And they're like, great. We got a, we got an awesome shop here. Normally what we do with kids, we'll start them out in small engine. And once you graduate from small engine, we'll work you into the main shop with some of the older kids and, and we'll start you in the automotive program. How's that sound? That sounds great. The kid says, right? Okay. So let's see how you did last year. Ooh. We put you in some math programs last year and you didn't do very well. And the kid's like, yeah. And they're like, so we're going to get you set up with a tutor if that's okay. Is that all right? Yep. Okay. And then we're going to switch out some of these classes because you don't need these anymore. If you're going to go into in the automotive program, you need this, this, and this, and not this stuff, right? So they re recalibrate what he's doing, get him a little help for his math, and off he goes. Has the school year. Junior year rolls around the same thing happens, Right. Senior year comes, the same thing happens. And then the kid graduates, right? But he didn't graduate magically, right? There were all these people around helping that kid be successful. Mom and dad were there, or just or one of them, or a guidance counselor was there, and they were engaging the kid. And when the kid ran into problems, there was somebody there to say, hey, you're struggling here. Let's get you some help, right? And then the kid goes and graduates, and he comes to industry. He comes to us, right? Not me, but he comes to us. Industry in general, right? Yeah. And what does industry do with a kid like that? They throw a yoke on him like a plow horse and start whipping him saying, yeah, let's go. And, and you know what? All the soft skill stuff, you know, all, all the where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Let me help you get there. It's not there, right? It's a yoke and it's, it's hard labor. And all of a sudden it's not fun anymore, is it? And all of a sudden it doesn't seem like anybody cares anymore, is it? And when the kid trips and falls, there's not someone that's picking him up and dusting him off and putting him back on the road and maybe back pulling some information that he needs or training that he needs. The yoke just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And pretty soon the kid is like disengaged and stays, which is worse than if he disengages and quits, right? And, and the moment he quits, there's a, there's a, 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 a foreman or, or someone going, look at that, another millennial. Screw those kids. I don't like those kids. They don't stick, right? But what they fail to realize is they're not talking the same language and they're not. And we looked at what happened there and, and, and what we do, because we were doing that. That was us. 
And we're like, we have to start mirroring what these kids are used to as we get them. And we have to recreate those opportunities every single year to make sure that that they're comfortable with where we are, but also that they well, two things. We we need to understand where they want to go and how they're gonna get there. And then we have to take those little hopes and dreams that they have or goals that they have and create opportunities for them to win, right? Because you, we were talking before, the only, the only way I'm ever going to win or organization is ever going to win is if everybody walking in the door feels like they, on some level, are winning, right? And you have to create those opportunities for people to win. Because if you don't, what are they going to be thinking every day walking in the door, right? Why am I coming into work? Yes. Just, yes. Yeah. So, so that's what we did. So every year, all of our all of our team members have that that little meeting, like that that student does. It's with their immediate supervisor. And it's a, re, a a rehash maybe the year of where they were, what they wanted to accomplish, and then establishing some new goals. Or, or you know, and it's it's the most awkward conversation if you can manage a group. You know, a fifty-five-year-old service manager leaning over, going, "What's your hopes and dreams?" Right? Because it's 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 more awkward for him to say it than get it asked, I guess. I don't know, but it's like, but we have to create that and we have to work hard at it because when you can, when you can get someone to buy in on where they're, where they want to go, uh, and help them get there, good things are going to happen. Imagine if you walk into work every single day and everybody feels like they're on some path to, to getting what they want and they're not there, you know, grinding out a job nine to five and, and, and just trying to get through a day, it, the environment's totally different. The dynamic in the room is totally different, right? Turns into a fun place to work. We're pushing hard to get 1,000 schools on Runchway, and we need your help. Auto diesel and collision instructors across the country use Runchway to share what's new with their program, build and manage industry relationships, and request resources from shops and dealerships that can help grow their program. Schools can request things like shop tours, tool and equipment donations, advisory committee members, and more. The best part? It's completely free. Know of a school that should be on Wrenchway? Send their information to info at wrenchway.com or tell them to visit wrenchway.com and click on the four schools tab to learn more and sign up. Link is in the show notes. The fact that you took a step back, right, and and you looked at it, and it, it can be very difficult to do that because we are all busy in our day to day lives. But to identify that, hey, there's something off here. We're we're not we're not conducive to a young person coming into our place of work, and that's a real problem. Is we're trying to get a pipeline of people that like what we do. That's difficult. The changing of your operation because it's not easy to go out and, you know, culture is kind of a buzzword that's used a lot. But when we talk about that, you know, that grizzled vet that's been out there for 30 years trying to talk them into the fact that, hey, we're, we're going to change some stuff up here. That's not an easy conversation to have either. So I'm curious to, to know what was the hardest part about adapting to that and really that adopting to a different style altogether? It's all buy-in. That's the hardest part. And, and we're not perfect by any means. Like I can look and, and you know, in a dealership, there's like five businesses under one roof, right? So, you know, we have multiple storefronts and, and each one is its own little, you know, small microcosm, right? And, and some of them do it really well and some of them need help. And that's, that's where I guess that's where my job is, right? Is recognizing that and trying to help them get there. But, you know, that is, that is the main thing, right? I was, I, I had a conversation earlier today with one of our service managers and I was like, I remember the big things, the ones that are neat and fun to, to talk about, right? But life is like celebrating those little moments, right? And I'm like, talk to me about some of the conversations that you've had with, with some of our techs. And I, I remind them of a couple that I know of that happened recently. But I'm like, I don't want to know the big heavy ones. I mean, lifting up the big heavy rocks is easy. It's the little ones that are, are tough. And, and he was like, it was funny as comment was, well, there's so many of them, Dave. And I'm like, I know, but I just, 
I, I want to know a couple. And and he was talking about one of the techs who was at our one of our other stores, and we were going to bring him into a, for a GM program and a GM tech and, and sign him up with some training. And he's like, so I went and talked to him, and he worked. He, we worked at our facility originally, and migrated over to one of the other stores, and and he was coming back, and he was like. <laughs> I was just talking about where he wants to go and what, what he wants to do. And, you know, we talked about where he came from because he was, he was started out with us from a hardware store. And he's like, he had no formal training, but it was on the job stuff. And he was not everyone, not everyone follows the, you know, I go through the high school program and then I go to NWTC and then I come to work and then I go to mentorship. Because that's the fun part about this because they come from and it happens in a whole bunch of different ways. But this kid's just good and, and he didn't need that. Because he applies himself and he, and he does the backfills what he doesn't have himself. And those are the fun kids. Was, but this kid, I mean, look where he was and look where he's going. And he's got a goal. And what, what, what sticks in my head is, is what this tough service manager said to me. He looked at me and he said, Dave, that's what makes my heart sing. And I was like, that's freaking awesome. That's what makes my heart sing. That's cool just a good person too you know like i think that shows oh, yeah. why you know you know what i'm saying like there's some people that just have it and that it sounds like that's that's a person that just has it right but but what that does is it floats everybody's boat higher right and when your boat floats higher <laughs> you're engaged you learn more when you learn more, you have more skill. When you have more skill, you do better financially. When you do better financially, a lot of what people's like dreams are, maybe, you know, I want to, I want to get a house. I've never owned a house before. Well, when you start making big money because you're, you're doing really well and you're successful, you, you can get that house, right? Or, or you're just like, the house is a big thing. I, I remember one of, and we had someone that started out as a tech and moved into sales, but he, when we interviewed him, I remember he was like, He's like, I someday I want to get a house. And that was his gig. And, and I remember when he got it, it was so cool. You know? Talk about impact. But every manager that's in our business has got that impact and on people. And they might not know it. And it, and it, might, be a, it might be a positive one just because they bring that to the table. But if they're not careful with what they do and how they carry themselves, it's a detractor, right? It's a huge detractor. I, I was just talking with someone about a dealership that, that we're familiar with and new manager screaming at people because things aren't going right. It doesn't fly anymore. You know that. It doesn't, you know, I, I, I don't get that. And, but if you're not diligent with how you are managing people, that's what's going to happen. And nothing good comes of it, right? No. When did you start to see the shift in the industry to to being more aware of this? I think you were probably ahead of the curve in a lot of ways, but do you see industry starting to follow suit? Do you see industry still struggling to to get their hands around this? I always talk about how I grew up in a shop and you talked about that, you know, I learned the hard way. So you're going to learn the hard way mentality, which is what I grew up with. And it made it yeah. really, really hard to, to break into a shop. And I'm curious as to when that shift started to take place, because that, you know, I was in a shop 20 years ago, but I've slowly kind of seen maybe a little trickle of hope. And then you'll hear a story where it's like going backwards. You know, you hear from a technician that maybe it's going backwards. And then, you know, you start to get these glimmers of hope. And I think that tells us that maybe there's some progress happening in our industry, but I, I, I want to see it from your, your, your point of view. Have you seen the industry shift or is it more just you're, you're pushing your own unique direction? I, we certainly started up pushing our own unique direction, but that was, I don't know, 12 years ago or so, but you could see what was happening with the aging of our techs and, and people weren't jumping into that field at that point in time and schools weren't encouraging people to go there. And if you're going to, if you're going to go the long haul, you gotta, you gotta look forward and, and see that. Right. So, so we did that and we got engaged in not only like the technical college, but I mean, we're in the high schools, which is, I mean, the 15 years ago, you'd be like, wow, okay, we're going to be in the high schools. All right. But, but that's where we are. And we engaged 
like all the dealers in Green Bay. I'll use Green Bay as an example, right? So after I toured, I, I talked to, there's a welding program that's also at, at the high school. And I, I talked to the guy, there's, there's a company that kind of started out and I, and I, I knew he was the genesis of, of getting that in there. So I talked to him and he's like, Dave, 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 you're thinking about doing this yourself without involving any of the dealers. And I was like, well, yeah, I was. He's like, you can't do it. You got to get everybody on board. I'm like, why? And he goes, because it's a big job and, and it takes it takes everybody to do it. So, okay. So, I, I called all the dealers in town and it was funny when you, when you, I don't know if you ever, have you ever had to fundraise for anything? I have. Yeah. Fundraising sucks, right? It's the worst. Yes. <laughs> it's not fun. So, so it's like, okay, um, we figured out what they were going to need. They were going to need like, I don't know, it was a quarter million bucks at the time to get the shop going. I'm like, so we got to go, if I'm not doing it myself, then we got to get everyone to contribute. Right. So it's like, I called every dealer in town and I had kind of the same conversation, which was, he's really hard getting texts, huh? Yeah, really really terrible. I'm like, great. I'm going to need like 50 grand from you. They're like, what? Then I walked them through the program like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. And within like two hours, everyone contributed the money that, that we needed to do to get it, right? It was easy getting the money. So the shop's up and running. And, and I'm getting to the answer your question. I'm sorry. Yeah. Take, no, take your time. I love this story. So the shops kind of, they get it up and running. They've got a great teacher. The guy's freaking awesome. And things are going well. And we went in for like the first graduation. And I was talking with him about how things are going. And in the conversation, it came out like, geez, it'd be nice if maybe once in a while one of your guys would come down, maybe like a second set of hands in the classroom. Not a, not a formal thing, but you remember like in school when you're in high school and they got like a guest speaker in, right? Yeah. It was like a great day because like everyone hated their teachers, even though they're awesome. It's a fresh face was a good thing, right? So we're like, oh, okay. So we started sending our tech, our shop foreman from the two stores in town here. They would go back and forth every month and, and be in the classroom, right? And then, and then pretty soon what would happen is the shop teacher would call and go, dude, 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 I, there's like an awesome kid here. You, you, you gotta talk to this kid because he needs a job. And we're like, okay, cool. Right. And so pretty soon, like these kids are, we're like a good spot to go as well as the, the other Chevrolet dealer in town because they would go visit as well. But nobody else went and visited. Nobody else said, Hey, I gave you 50 grand. What happened with it? Right. They, they wrote the check, but, you know, you got to go do the time too. And, and in doing the time is when this really kind of proliferated and did really, really well for us. And now as as time progresses and, and, and the, there really is a technician crisis now, right? Well, now everyone's like, oh, okay, how do you do that again? Okay. And and now they're there, but, you know, the last couple of years they've been there. And I, and I can see like 30 or 40% of those dealers getting more engaged in it than they were than just writing the check. And they're always ha- happy to write the check and we appreciate that. But, but the value they get is in the time they spend, right? Yeah. For a variety of reasons because it's building relationships. And when you build relationships, you, you, you're a comfortable place for, for someone who's graduating on that program to go say, Hey, do, do you have any jobs? Right. I know you, I saw you in my shop class. Right. But, but without the relationship, there's, they're not going to feel comfortable going to talk to them and, and the conversation never happens and they end up somewhere else. Right. A couple things that I absolutely love that you hit on right there. One was that you took the time to engage other shops in your network, other dealerships in your network in, in doing it because you knew that we needed to grow the pot of technicians that were coming out yeah. without the other, without your competitors being involved. You're, you're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. You're going to keep stealing people from each other. And it's just going to be kind of this wild west of, of technicians. And it doesn't feel like a stable foundation, even from the technician's perspective, because they're, you know, they're being pulled at all ends and, and probably being approached by people. And, mm-hmm. I think the fact that you were open-minded enough to be able to do that, I don't think a lot of people would have. And so I give you a lot of credit for that. But then the other piece to that was understanding that it is a really uncomfortable position for a young person to go approach somebody from a dealership. And I've used this story from my own experience where I, you know, went to tech school 
and wasn't comfortable going into a dealership to apply. And it wasn't because I didn't like the dealership. It was because I was intimidated as hell, right? Like going past this huge building and just in the back of my mind saying, you know, they're too big for me. I, I can't go there. And so you almost have to break down those barriers as well. And that familiarity with, with seeing you in the classroom and having a relationship with the teacher and having the teacher feel comfortable enough to recommend that a student go there. I, I think you yeah. hit it on the head is that that's, that's the path forward. Life is built on relationships. It, it totally is. And, you know, 20 years ago when there were, there were more people than jobs, you could, you could do what they did back then, I suppose. But now you have to, you have to be a great place just to be right. How's the environment? Do I feel good? Does do I feel like they're looking out for me? Am I am I in a position where I think that I need to to give my very best every day? Right, and and that is unlocked through you know those conversations of where do you want to go? Because it's my job is to help you get there, pure and simple. If you get there, I'll get to where I need to go. But but I can't get to where I would get to go if, if, if you don't. Everything's hinged on on that person walking through the door. It doesn't matter who if, if, if it's a janitor or a new car manager or a quick lane kid or, or who. It doesn't matter, right? And ATAC, they, they all got to feel engaged. And you can Man. sense it from a, from a customer's perspective. Mm-hmm. When you come into a dealership, you can sense – I don't even know if I'd say culture, but it really is. Like you can sense when you walk in the door whether people like working there or not, right? And and I think that's – there's that quote that customer satisfaction will never be higher than employee satisfaction. And I, I completely get that because if they're miserable at work, you know, they're just in the back break room and they're complaining about all of the customers and – how dare they come ask me to come fix their vehicle? <laughs> and and it, it's not, you know, it's just a negative mindset. And if you don't, if you're not proactive in finding talent, what we found is that you're very reactive and you'll, you know, hire, you know, I was at a, I gave a presentation in Chicago a couple of weeks ago and joked again about, you know, I would hire somebody that could fog a mirror. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're missing the point here. You're hiring desperately and you're destroying your culture as a result. We and you know, like I said, it waxes and wanes our ability to do this, right? And 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 I can think of one one unit that had, you know, we did that, like, you know, not recent recent, but you could see that, and and you're like, whoa, 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 you slow down, slow down, right? But but it's like damage done. All of a sudden, you boarded a bunch of people that you you didn't take the time and energy and vetting properly, and are they going to fit your culture, right? Do they, do they fit in with the people that they work with? And I'd, I'd rather have an empty seat than some than a seat filled with with a bad egg, right? It's a bad gig. And what what, what was your stuff. quote that you used before? You'd rather have a hole. Oh, what was that? <laughs> You'd rather have a hole than an asshole. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't know I could say that. Oh no, you're yeah. you're good. You're good. You're clear. <laughs> But it's it, but it's true though. Yeah, super true. Because it's like you know, you look at like we've had texts that were awesome, awesome texts, and they were just brutal to work around or be in the orbit of because they they dragged everyone down with them because they were just awful human beings, right? And it's like once in a while that happens, and you're like, one way or the other, you, you're able to turn them. Or, or they leave, but once they leave, it's like the whole everything gets elevated, right? Because it's like when when you're busy stamping everyone down to make yourself look better, this is a bad gig, right? Yeah, and they they could love the business, they could love everything that you do and what you stand for, but if you've got that cancer in the shop, or it doesn't, it's not just the shop; it could be any position in any yeah. business. And if you've got that person that people are just miserable being around, it it brings down the entire the entire facility. It brings down everything. And I don't think people understand that enough because in a lot of ways, we're just hiring 
because they have the mechanical aptitude to do something or they have the ability to sell a car or they have the ability to do whatever, but we don't take into account how much that's impacting the others that are around them. And I, I really think if we take a step back and look at our businesses and see that maybe there's somebody that's dragging everybody down and we yeah. need to address this, it, it's really hard because there's some really talented people that are just really tough to work with. You know, you hit it right in the head because it's like it, there have been people that we've we've hired that are coming from outside the area that are relocating here that are great techs and, and they're looking for a new home and they've, they've usually worked out really well. When I have someone from across town that wants to come and work here or some, you know, in the neighborhood that they're, and you can see their hoppers and I can, I can see that they're, they're probably good workers. Rarely does that work. Right. Cause just what you said, they're, they're bringing some baggage with them that I just, I don't see sprung around our, our, our work area. Right. It's, doesn't work. I'd rather invest a bunch of time and energy and training and bringing in a fresh face that someone's just starting their career in the business, teach them the way we do things and how we do them. And it, the runway is like a lot longer to get them up and functioning. But when they're there, they're like the best team members ever. Those are the people you want to work with, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a, a technician or a salesperson or someone in, in parts. It, I'd rather grow someone than, than hire someone. That's, that's, it usually doesn't work out well if they're from geographically where, where that store is located. There's hopping stores. That makes total sense. It is. It it is. Because I do think, and for those technicians that are out there listening, I do think that's something you have to consider when you're looking for another job, when you're maybe considering taking another opportunity is the perception that's out there. Yes, you can go down the road and like say you're going to go down the road and you're going to make $2 more an hour and that you feel like you've got to make that move. But be really careful and be, be aware of what you're doing there because there's times where you can get yourself blackballed and I, I, I hate to say it, but it, it does happen. And you just have to be very, you know, thoughtful about your career path and where you're going because it, you want your work to tell your story for you. And I think a lot of times if you're just jumping for a quick buck and it's only because of the money, there's something more there, right? Like we, we we've got to try and figure that piece out. But in, the tricky part is like in the last like four, three or four years, I mean, the money is, I get that. Yeah. Right. And if, if you don't look, you have to look frequently on what the going wage is and, and wherever you are, because it like changed so quickly. And if you let someone slide for two bucks and leave you, chances are maybe you've got a problem with your pay plans. I, I, but it, I mean, we've been trying to be proactive with that through the pandemic, and it's it's that's been a challenge. I, I think we just got caught again. Where I looked and went, oh, we within the last twelve months, we we in a particular area, we raised the wages up, and and we were above all, of, and we chopped them and checked to see what they were. And now I turn around and like, okay, now we're a buck behind them. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it moves <laughs> we'll fast, <laughs> right, right, and I. I think that's also good for for technicians or any any employee to understand are some of those challenges that going in, go into ownership and you know you're trying your best to stay on top of everything but there's times where the world moves fast you're you're doing yeah. your best to stay on top of things so feedback is helpful to understand where you're at and not in a way where you're just storming the door open and, and saying i demand this but more just like hey can i have a can i have a conversation with you can can we talk about this because the world changes and, and like paula does a great job of staying on top of that but just the same that hey can i talk to you about this check this out but just take a look at this i i'm I, and, and just an example or two is is all it takes for someone to go, oh, okay, well, thanks. Can I get back with you? Okay, great. And a couple of conversations happen and usually good things happen. But, but that's when people are talking, right? It's relationships, good dialogue. This week's episode of Beyond the Wrench is brought to us by RepairPal. Don't lose work. 
Today's tech-savvy consumers value instant gratification, so they start their searches for service and repair on their computers and smartphones. Did you know that 81% of consumers do online price comparisons before, during, and after they've already authorized the work? Gain these customers by becoming RepairPal certified. RepairPal will introduce you to new customers through RepairPal.com, the largest site for auto repair and through the recommendation of their partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. They also help you with customer retention by providing an independent third-party quality and satisfaction certification and proof of fair prices with their best-in-class estimator. Don't get left behind. Head on over to RepairPal.com and set up a call to learn more. When you sign up, you'll get one month of service free. That's RepairPal.com. One of the things that you, you had said when we had talked previously was that you want to be known as the best place to work for. And I think when you have that approach and you are really striving for that and you're striving to be the best place to work, that makes, it doesn't make salary secondary. It just makes it, you know, at least you can have a discussion about it. Whereas if, if you're not, and maybe you're running your business more of an old school way, that it's an easy excuse to leave, right? It maybe it isn't just the pay they're leaving for. They're leaving because well, sure. they're they're ticked off at their boss or, you know, whatever it is. But I think pay in the you know, when you sit down and do an exit interview with somebody, sometimes pay is almost a it's an easy thing to shade over a bunch of other stuff that they're they're not happy with. And I'm curious as to if you think that the culture that you've created, if that helps at least generate more conversation there so it's not just skipping away from you, or is it – is that – am I making a bigger deal of that than it actually is? No, no, because you're spot on, right? Because if if you do everything else really well, if you do – if you train and and manage people really well, right, give them good feedback, if, if you miss the mark – on pay if it changes and you didn't catch it and and everything else is is solid your teammates going to come back and go hey boss you got to look at this things kind of changed here okay and and if you're you know a great leader you're going to look and go oh crap okay you know the same conversation we had but if you have a weak foundation if it's if it's the old you know top down plug yourself in and get to work and don't talk back. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to know what you think. I'm just telling you to do a job. Well, the give and take's gone, right? If, if there's a better wage out there someplace, why would they stay there? There's no reason to, unless it's like right next door to their house. <laughs> Other than that, I can't think of why you would, right? So to extend on this point, what I want to talk about the expectations that you have of an individual that comes to work for you, say, out of school. I, I think in, in the thought a lot of times is you're going to bring somebody in, they're going to stay with you their entire career. And I think we battle that from the standpoint of that's not reality as much anymore, right? I don't think you have as many 30, 40-year employees maybe as you used to. I think the average career stay for a millennial is like less than four years. I'm curious yeah. as to what your thoughts are with that? Like what's an expectation? Because you're going to put a lot of time, money, effort, and heart into these people. And w- what happens if they leave? Like what what happens if they go a different route? Oh, no, no, no. It, it's when they do, right? So here's, okay, you threw out a stat. Do you ever hear like a stat about like how many employers a millennial will, or someone graduating from school will have over their career? No, I haven't heard that. It's like 10 or 11 employers, Right which kind of fits in line with what you had said, like every three or four years, you're going to, you're going to have a new boss, right? A new, a new place to work. And I, I literally want to embrace that. Right. And I want to challenge like our people to think this, right. There's five businesses under this roof, right. They're going to come in in with one of them. There's all kinds of different jobs here. If, if someone's going to come in and go, okay, I, I'm going to come in as as a quick lane, someone doing quick loops, right? And if we do a good job, okay, what's your hopes and dreams? Where do you want to go, right? So we're going to structure that person's career around what that is. But instead of having someone hop every four years, a different employer, if, if they're hopping out of industry, 
Cool. We have a whole bunch of other jobs here. Let's talk about those, right? You don't need to leave. We love you here. Let's look at something else you can do, right? And, and, you know, you and I talked about the career path of John. The guy's name was John that worked with us. And this, this was really cool. So I met John at Green Bay East High School. He was a student there, right? And our techs were in there. So he was comfortable talking with them in the Ford store. So Clint, our, our shop foreman, I had a relationship a little bit with him. When it came time for him to graduate, he, he came to us and he started working for us. So he went into TC and we've got like a school to work program where we, we definitely will plan their day around what their school, their school hours are. And I mean, you got to do that because it, they change constantly and, and you have to be super flexible. So we did that. The kids, the kids doing quick lane work and he's got like freaking awesome people skills, like really, really good. Right. And we're like, Hey, John, have you ever thought about being a quick lane advisor? And he was like, well, what is that? Right. Well, here. And so we bought him up and, and uh, showed him where the, the advisor was and what they do. And he went, I'm like, why don't you shadow him tomorrow and see what you think? And he's like, okay. So the next day he went in, he shadowed the quick lane advisor. And he was like, I can do this. And you know what? He was right. <laughs> he could. Because that's what he did. And he did a really, really good job at it, right? He was awesome. And someone worked with him and they were like, okay, so what do you want to do with your life kind of thing? And he was like, I kind of like this. So, you know, we put a path together for what is life like us will look like near term. And, and that would include going from the quick lane desk to being a floater because we've got like a... I'd call them like an advisor in training that we use. We plug them into desks when someone takes a vacation or someone's sick, something on that line. So they'd go into that role and then then a full-fledged advisor. If he keeps working up, he'd go through an assistant manager and, and a manager. So he's like, I like that. So that that's the path he took. And maybe like a year later, not quite a year, he, he came to Ben, the service advisor, and he's like, hey, can I talk to you? And Ben's like, yeah. He goes, what's up? He said, well, when I, when I was going to school, I, well, I kind of wanted to be an architect. And Ben's like, okay. He goes, so I'm quitting. And Ben's like, oh, okay. Well, what do you mean you're going to quit? What are you going to do? And he goes, well, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an architect. He goes, well, where are you going to go to school? And it's TC, which is the same spot we went through the technician program. And he's like, okay. So... When you were going to TC the last time, you worked at the dealership and worked your way through school. And are you, you're still going to need a job, aren't you? And he said, well, yeah, I need a job. And he's like, well, why are we talking? <laughs> why don't you keep doing this and I'll work around your school hours like we did before? And he's like, you do that? I'm not going to work here anymore. And he goes, I know that, but you're a great team member and we'll work around your hours because you do a great job. And he's like, okay. So he goes back to school, right? He's going to be an architect, too. He's all excited, right? Oh, God. I don't know. It's like two months. I don't know how quick. It was quick. He was back. And he was like, Ben, can I talk to you? And Ben's like, yeah, what's up? He goes, I'm back in school. He goes, yeah, I, I know. He goes, you know, an architect, they got to know math really well. And Ben's like, yeah. And he goes, I hate math. I can't stand it. Oh, my God. Can I have my job back? And Ben's like, yeah, absolutely. And boom, he's he's back at it, right? So, so. He, he graduates off the quick loop desk, does a great job. He's a floater, does a great job. And now he's a service advisor. Now, what we didn't know about him is this. His mom owned an insurance agency, right? Well, she looks at him and is like, you know, look at my little Johnny. He's a little businessman, right? He's doing really well. And she's like, so do you, do you want to take over my business? And John is like, yeah. And, and that's where he is today. Wow. But but the whole time he was with us, he was freaking awesome. He had a goal and he always hit his goal and he had a dream and he always got his dream and his mom threw a curveball at us. But you know what? It was a great experience and, and he stuck with us for a whole bunch of time, right? So I, di I didn't get him for his career, but for the time that I did get him, he was awesome and he was great to be around and he contributed and our team members liked him, our our. Customers certainly enjoyed him, and he did well. I hope we. I think he made a good living here, and and everything was cool.
I think that's the importance of just treating people right, right? Because if you think about that, he now runs an insurance agency where he's probably talking to people day in and day out. And I'm guessing he's probably saying something similar to what you're saying to me, right? Where, you know, they treated me right. I loved it. I might not be in the insurance business had I gone into be an architect, you know, like I might not have gone down this route. So in a, in a big way, Broadway, you know, taught him probably some sales skills, taught him some right. work ethic and some business knowledge. Like it, it just, it, it's something that you contributed to that has nothing to do with the dealership anymore, but really, sh- I, I think reflects really well on who you are as a person, who the, who the company is as, as, as a, as an entity, you know, just a, a really good place. Yeah. And, and. Any business is like that, right? If you if you've got like if you treat your people well, then they're raving fans, and when they leave, they're still raving fans. And you know, I'm sorry, those are the fun people when they're coming in and they're doing they come in and still do business, right? Those are the fun people to talk to too, right? Yeah, I, I don't know, I'm, and I'm a bit of a talker, right? So, I love it. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, great storyteller. But I, I always look at my career path and going through my career. And I had worked at a place where at one point, had I told them I was interested in starting my own business, I think I would have been walked out the same day that I told them that, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think that's the right mindset from a business owner standpoint to have anymore. Yes, it's very tough to lose somebody. It it stinks. It's not fun. You know, we just lost a really good person here and we're not, we're not, we're, we're sad because they're leaving, but we're super happy for them because they're going to the next stage of their career and of their life. And we'll always be fans of, of her, you know, and it, like, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's going to suck for us in the short term. Like it's going to put us in a little bit. We're all going to have to pick up the load a little bit more because she's leaving. But I'm so happy for her and her family for you know what she's done while she's been here and what she's going to continue to do. And and it, it, as my business partner Mark put it, she may not be a part of the immediate family now. She's now just part of our extended family. And I thought that was such a good way to put it. And and everybody gets to grow, right? Yes. When, when people can grow, like that, that's a fun time, and and that's a cool thing when you can look and and you know it's a, it's a compliment that that you can backfill people's skill sets with information and knowledge or help them do it, and they can have their own business. That's that's cool, right? It is. It is, and that's impactful, right? And I think when you look back upon your career and you look at the legacy that you left during the course of your career, you know it. it People always talk about, you know, people aren't going to remember what what you did. They're going to remember how they felt when they were around you. And I think that goes so far in business. That's funny. I used to have that quote, I, and I forgot what her name was that she said that. But I had that on the bottom of my email that people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how, what, how you made them feel, right? I, I totally believe that because I can't remember what anybody says, but I can remember how they make me feel, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's so true, though. I, I mean, you think back over the course of your career and those special people that you've been around that, you know, have had an impact on you. And it is because they 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 make you feel good. They they make you feel like you're, you're a friend. You know, I, it just – I think there's so much to be learned from that singular quote that we could all apply in our businesses that that would make us just better people. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. What, as we're, you know, we're winding down on the podcast here, I'm curious as to what your driver is to become the best place to work at. You know, you could sit back and you could, you know, do fairly, be successful. You know what I'm saying? You could be very successful without approaching business the way that you are, but you choose to do it a different way. I, I'm curious as to what your driver is behind that. You know, I hate, oh God, this is terrible. But in the end, we've always thought of our business like a professional sports team, literally, right? And, and to me, it's like there, there's a game and we play it every day. And we always want to be the very best versions of ourselves, and we always want to win. What does winning look like? It can be a lot of different things, right? 
and everyone's got their different version of winning. And that's cool because we got to figure out what your version is and we got to help you do it. But, but I, I can look up like, right. I can see Lambeau field right from my desk. And, and it's always a reminder to us that, you know, that is what we are. We're, we're a team or business team, but, but we're really, our whole premise is wrapped around the, the, the thought that we want to win, whatever, whatever we're playing. It doesn't matter. It's not football we're playing, but it's, you know, and there's, if you, our mission statement really says it, and I don't mean the whole thing, but it really, it's built on three pillars and it's certainly a guess because a, a door has to open because somebody needs something. When somebody needs something, that's our opportunity to go on stage and shine, right? We got to take care of our team members. And that to me is the most important pillar that we have because if we take good care of our team members then they can in turn take great care of our guests and then the last piece is just we've got to we've got to be awesome the community that takes care of us right so we've got to be charitably generous in the community but but none of that happens unless everyone's dialed in on what the mission is and what we're doing and and how we're going to get there right so that it, it's a really horrible football cliche <laughs> i think it equates but, all the time yeah. though i i really do and you know i always say you should view technicians like they're the players on the field right like they are yeah. essential to making our businesses run and it, it is one of those things that i i think even from a leadership standpoint it maybe puts a different spin on it than what we're used to that you you know when you view them as kind of your rock stars and the people that are the ones that you know are truly you know you can have the best coach in the world. You can have Vince Lombardi out there, but if you don't have Bart Starr, you're 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 not going anywhere. And I think that's such a such an important piece to business is just to know that without those people, we're, we're nowhere. You know, and everybody sees like the Aaron Rodgers walking around with 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 a Super Bowl ring, right? Because he's he's out in front of everybody and everyone sees him. But what they don't see is is the janitor at Lambeau Field walking around. Because you know what? He's, he's got a Super Bowl ring, too. He does. That's awesome. Everybody on that team that won that year has got a Super Bowl ring. It doesn't matter what you do. You didn't have to be on the, on, the, on, the, on the field padded up. But if you're there and you're supporting the Packers, you were a full-time team member and you were making it happen and you worked for the organization, you're, you're wearing a shiny ring filled with diamonds because you were part of the team, right? That is cool. That is cool. Yeah. Growing up there, did you – and I feel like I can ask this because I'm a diehard Packer fan. Did you have a choice to be anything other than a Packer fan? No. No. <laughs> I don't know. No. I didn't even know there was other teams that you could root for. No. No, there's not. You can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is it, – you know, it's really awesome that you get to look – out at Lambo every single day, and uh, I'm super jealous of that because I think it's the the mecca of of professional sports. I mean, I, I maybe put Fenway in that group and and some others, but oh, yeah. uh, I think when when you pull up to Lambo, I still get chills every time I pull up to Lambo. It's like the coolest place in the world. That's probably because you have a six pack close to your leg and it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> It could but, it could be that too, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, <laughs> but it is always a great reminder of 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 what we're here for, right? It is, and I and when you look up, it's like sometimes you take it for granted, but other times you're like, wow. And it, like Green Bay is not a big city; it just isn't. So it's 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 kind of upfront. So it, it, it's a good north star, and you get to see players just randomly throughout the community. Once a they're Once not. One? Yeah, they well, occasionally. Yeah, you ever see Rogers like at Best Buy or something? No, no, no. There was there was. I've seen him a couple times in a restaurant. Yeah, but it, he's pretty private. Do you have to do the the thing where you just try not to stare? Like you just not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. Otherwise, he's not very nice to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as we wrap up this this podcast, I, I just want to thank you for your time. I am completely envious of everything that you're doing up there because it is such a well-run company. You can tell when you talk to people within your organization that 
they all take pride in it. And it's just a, it's a really, really well-run place with good people. And, and the fact that you took an hour out of your busy day to join us for the podcast, can't thank you enough for it. It, it was a true yeah, pleasure. Sure. That was great talking with you, Jake. That wraps up this week's episode of Beyond the Wrench. Be sure to tune in next week for another brand new episode. As a reminder, don't forget to rate and follow Beyond the Wrench on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps us get Beyond the Wrench in front of other fantastic shop owners, managers, technicians, and dealers just like you, so we can continue to help improve, promote, and grow this amazing industry. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week. 